you have your story, the other person has their story. And our tendency is to believe that our story is the absolute truth. And because that person's story is very different from ours, we will say that you are wrong and I am right. And that's not the way to approach a difficult conversation. So when you go, I am right, you are wrong, there is blame, there is judgment. In a way, suspend judgment, which is difficult. Suspend judgment and hear him or her out. What is actually going on with that person? Welcome to Reinventing Perspective. Today, we have a familiar voice and familiar face if you're watching on YouTube. We have Jenny Toh. Some of you might remember, is imposter syndrome hurting your purpose? An amazing episode with lots of people who really loved it. So check that out. But today, let me let you reintroduce yourself, Jenny. Who is Jenny and what's your mission? Hi, Priscilla. Thanks for having me on your show and hearing you introduce the first show that we did together. That's like walking back in memory lane. To your listeners, I am based in Singapore. I am a lawyer and at the same time, I'm also a certified life coach and I run my own life coaching practice called River Life Coaching. I'm very passionate about empowering women. So a lot of my clients are female. That being said, I do coach men as well. Empowering women to define success on their own terms, whether it's on a professional front or personal front. And I've got a soft spot for introverts because I'm an introvert. I've been in the legal profession for over 25 years and I moved into coaching, which is quite a big change. It's because I'm a Christian and I believe that this is what God is calling me into in this season of my life. So it wasn't something that I decided overnight. It took a lot of prayer, it took a lot of thinking, it took a lot of planning and I launched my business in 2020, which was the peak of the pandemic. So it was really a big leap of faith here to go out and to be a coach. And I personally believe that by being a coach, I'm able to help one person at a time to reach their highest potential. I chose this topic for our conversation today, which is on difficult conversations, is because, you know, a lot of my clients whom I've been coaching recently have been struggling with difficult conversations, whether it's conversations at work or even conversations on the more personal side. It's about understanding what is a difficult conversation and why do we struggle or why do we hold ourselves back when we want to have those conversations. So excited to get into this because I think this is something that a lot of times if it's a difficult conversation we kind of sweep it under the rug and try everything to avoid it and it gets worse and worse and worse until it can't be avoided anymore so please jenny go ahead and walk us through what you contributed sure. to today yeah so these ideas i don't take credit from it is a book that i've read called difficult conversations how to discuss what matters most it's written by douglas stone bruce Patton, and sheila heen so your listeners can find it on amazon it's part of the harvard negotiation project and this book has been used by organizations, even by governments when they are negotiating difficult issues. So it's that powerful. But the framework is quite easy to understand. I really believe that when we walk through the framework, it can be applied in any situation. And Priscilla, both of us are parents, so definitely we can use this when we have conversations with our spouse and also our children. The framework of a difficult conversation, what is really at stake here. So if you think about having a difficult conversation with your boss, there's a lot of feelings of anxiety or maybe even stress. You don't want to have it, but you know if you don't talk to your manager about it, the problem is going to be there. It's going to stay there and it's not going to go away. So a lot of us try to sweep it under the rug or you know run away from it or having a difficult conversation the wrong way by getting too emotional, putting the other 
party on the defensive. So this book actually gives examples of what goes wrong. When you want to have a conversation, how do we think about it? The first thing, there's always an event that leads to that conversation. So let's say, for example, you're going to have a performance review conversation. So you, as the manager, want to give not so positive feedback to your direct report because he hasn't been performing that well. You have that situation. And how do you go about doing that? You have your story, the manager's story of why this direct report isn't performing up to standard. And then the direct report, if he's not very self-aware or he takes a different view, he's thinking, you know, I've performed so well and yet my manager's not giving me the recognition that I deserve. So this first part here, the beginning part, is the what happened. The manager thinks that the direct report is not performing well. The employee feels that the manager is not recognizing his achievements. So you can see, that's the truth to both sides because it's all about perspectives, right? Maybe the manager has too high standards. Maybe this guy is not self-aware and he thinks he's been doing well. So this part is called the what happened part of the conversation. Then we move to the second part is the feelings part. So the manager manager may be feeling frustrated, a bit disappointed with the employee for not performing up to his expectations. Also thinking how can he boost his morale or how to motivate him. So there's a lot of uh, feelings about should I have done better as a manager, perhaps even feeling angry at the direct report. So there's a lot of feelings going on there on the manager's part. And the direct report will have some feelings as in I'm not appreciated and he's disappointed. He didn't get the promotion that he thought he was going to get and maybe he feels misunderstood. So there's a lot of feelings going on here. And if you dive down to the third part of the conversation, this is the deeper part, which is the identity conversation. So all of us come into a conversation with our identity. And, and what is that? It's just not the manager, as in this example, not just the manager and a direct report. The manager comes in with his identity as how he views himself as the manager. So we don't really know how he views himself. It could be he's a seasoned manager. However, he's not very good with managing people, even though he's a seasoned manager. So this could be something that he's insecure about. The way he approaches this conversation may have an impact of him thinking to himself, I am not a good manager. I am responsible for how my direct report has been performing. So he could be putting the blame on himself. And then the direct report may have this identity that I've been a star performer in my previous company. So his identity is like, I'm a star performer. But why are you giving me a less than favorable rating here? So it's identity that he believes, no right or wrong, but he perceives himself to be a star performer. And this really hurts him because it touches on the identity. So the identity part of the difficult conversation, no one knows except the person. And how we are to go through it is to really hear the other person's side of the story. I think a lot of times we don't open ourselves up fully to hear the other person's side of the story. It just explains so many of the reasons why we have conflict. Like you said, we don't know how a person views themselves, so we don't know the identity, and then we don't know really how the other person is feeling. All we know is how we're feeling, and then we don't know what happened, the truth of what happened. We have our own truth, and they have their own truth, and those could be two completely different things. I'm really curious to understand now, how do we bridge those 
dynamics that are at play in such a situation where everybody feels that they are right. So we will go back to the first part, which is the what happened. So like you said, you have your story, the other person has their story. And our tendency is to believe that our story is the absolute truth. Because that person's story was very different from ours, we will say that you are wrong and I am right. And that's not the way to approach a difficult conversation. So when you go, I am right, you are wrong, there is blame, there is judgment. What this book suggests is that instead of of saying, I'm right, you're wrong, you open yourself up to understand what the other person's story is. So in a way, suspend judgment, which is difficult. Suspend judgment and hear him or her out. What is actually going on with that person? Why is that person saying these things? So it's not about blaming. It's about both of us contributed to this situation. So the manager in this example contributed to the performance review conversation. The direct report also contributed to the performance review conversation. And the underlying thing here is to understand your contribution. So it's not a 50-50 contribution. So the direct report is really not performing. Then his contribution is more. But it's not to put percentages on who contributed more to the issue. It's just to seek understanding and to see what's the solution going forward. As opposed to blame when you judge and you're looking back and you're saying it's your fault, so I'm not responsible at all. The way forward in this part of the what happened conversation is to understand, actually, did I give him enough guidance? Did I set clear expectations for him? So it's not casting doubt on yourself. It's just to get a more objective view like, okay, maybe I should have been clearer in this. Maybe, you know, I should have followed up a bit more since he's still quite new to the organization. And then the direct report, if he's taking this approach of assessing the situation, should say that I want to hear what my manager said. He did say some good things about my performance and maybe I have blind spots that I'm not aware of. So you see, both parties are now more open to understand you know either party's side of the story that's such a key thing suspending judgment and understanding that no one is to blame well jenny you tell me maybe in singapore and the corporate environment's a little bit different but it's almost as if there must always be somebody to blame i, I think that's just human nature <laughs> priscilla <laughs> And in a work environment, it's almost like somebody's got to be tagged with, this is why <laughs> this is happening. Priscilla, let's play with this something a bit more personal. It could be a marriage conversation or a conversation between partners. So it could be you know a long day from work, both of you come back home from work and you're thinking, okay, I don't want to fix dinner, You know, let's just go out. Whereas your partner may feel that I'm tired, I don't want to go out, You know, why hasn't she fixed dinner? So both sides of the story. This would definitely feed into the feelings part, the second part of this, as in like, you know, I'm tired and he still expects me to cook. And then, you know, your partner will feel that I'm tired and I just want a nice home-cooked meal. <laughs> so you can see what are the feelings that both feel unappreciated. Maybe the wife feels a bit taken for granted. The husband also, since he feels that I've worked so hard today, I really had a very stressful day and I just want to sit home and relax. If you're not aware of your own feelings, taking responsibility for your own feelings, and if the other person is also not aware of his or her feelings, you are hijacked by your emotions and you just go on autopilot and you just start again the blame game right it's like you know i'm so tired how can you expect me to cook dinner that he's like saying you know i have a difficult day at work i'm not asking you to cook a three-course dinner let's just put frozen pizza in the oven and microwave it how hard is it and you can imagine how the conversation would escalate you know it's like okay you can put the pizza in the oven right why does it have to be me 
<laughs> so you know, if you're not aware, it can just spiral. And what is the identity conversation here? The woman probably feels that, is he expecting me to be a working professional and a grade A wife and mother? Is touching at her identity of being a wife and mother. And then for the husband, he's like, oh, is she not respecting me as her husband? So that's the deeper level. The surface level is just, you know, who's going to prepare dinner or where we're going to have dinner. The deeper level here is in this marriage, is it an equal partnership? Why is he expecting me of this? Is he taking me for granted? Am I good enough a wife and mother because I don't prepare dinner? And he's thinking, you know, why isn't my wife respecting me? Am I not a strong enough husband? So that's the deeper one, which you don't say to each other in a normal fight. But when the fight gets escalated, then you can see more of the identity part of the conversation coming up. Just a quick ask. If you're finding this information helpful, please share it with someone that you know would love this conversation and would find this information beneficial. Thank you again for listening in. And let's jump back into our conversation. How do you develop that self-awareness in interacting with other people and in relationships? I think it's about, I know this is a word that's commonly used nowadays, it's about empathy, empathy for yourself and also being aware of where you are right now, your emotional state, your state of mind in, when you're in this situation. That's one, understanding yourself and then understanding the other person. And if it's a personal relationship, you care about that person. So remind yourself the underlying thing here is that you both care about each other. So starting from a place of empathy and a safe space where both of you care for each other. On the professional front, you come from a place of trust. I know a lot of organizations, people say that they leave their manager because they don't like their manager. But when you want to have a difficult conversation, come from a place of trust, saying that I trust that this person wants to help me to be the best employee that I can. And the manager also has to trust that this employee is putting his best. Look for the good in people instead of straight away going into the blame and saying I'm right and you're wrong. So it, it comes with intention as well, that you're intentionally wanting to have this conversation because it's important. And also in your mind, what is the desired outcome here that you want? It doesn't mean that your desired outcome is the correct one, but at least have it clear in mind. What is it that you want from here? Maybe that manager wants his direct report to improve. It's not to fire him or anything. He just wants him to improve. And the direct report just wants his manager to recognize his efforts and to maybe speak to him in a different way about his areas of growth. So what is that outcome? So it's about intentionally coming into the conversation with a desired outcome, understanding where you are emotionally and mentally, and also trying to understand where that person is coming from. Where does power dynamics come into that? Because sometimes when you think about the communication between a manager and your subordinate, how do you navigate power within that communication? So if it's not a balanced one, if people are not on equal footing, it comes back down to trust. Your manager, in a way, like you said, may have more power than you. However, do you trust your manager that he has good intentions? So maybe you may not know that for sure, but that's your starting point to say that, okay, I want to believe and I believe that my manager has good intentions coming into this conversation. This tactic is not so much about negotiation. Definitely, if both people are calmer and they understand the what happened, each party's side of the story, understand their feelings and kind of understand 
for themselves what part of my identity is being challenged or is being at stake here. When you have all that, you have greater awareness and possibly you'll be able to negotiate that situation better. But we don't start with the aim that I want to negotiate so that I can win, so that the person can be on my side. It's all about understanding that everyone's story has some truth in it. It's all about perspective. So your story has some truth in it. That person's story has some truth in it. So the main thing here is not to blame, but to think to ourselves, how much did I contribute to my own story and how much did I contribute to that person's story to give that person the impression that I'm taking him for granted or you know I'm not being fair to him. Trying to get to the identity, which is the deeper part of where you can begin to understand each other and a lot of times it's difficult for people to show vulnerabilities in certain spaces how do you perhaps coach even clients who are not comfortable with showing that vulnerability so people can know the identity or can understand another person's identity so for the identity part priscilla we don't have to show the identity to the other person that we're talking about so in a typical coaching session let's just say i'm coaching someone who said my manager doesn't appreciate me doesn't understand me it's not fair on me so it's the what happened part so we'll definitely dissect what happened from her side of the story and because i'm not coaching her manager i can't really know so it's more like i can only hear what what she's saying of the other person's side of the story but to understand the what happened then after that to go down to how is this situation making you feel to assess the feelings to process the feelings and maybe any thoughts or assumptions that she has once that has come out in a way I can pick up certain themes so it could be because she herself feels that she's not good enough I mean imposter syndrome right so underlying all that it could be she herself doesn't feel that confident so that's the identity part that contributes to her assumptions, to her thinking, to her belief that perhaps she's not good enough. Or on the flip side, she believes that she deserves more because she's been performing well all throughout and it's really hurting her in terms of her worth as an employee and a person. So I'm not saying that after she has this realization that she goes back to the manager and say, hey, I'm really worth a lot more, but at least she understands for herself why is she so triggered by certain words he says. Because maybe Maybe it goes to the root of her identity, that she's not good enough, that he's not recognizing her, that she's a good performer. So what is that identity that is at stake here? So when you understand that, it gives you a clearer idea of why did you formulate this story in the first place? And maybe you can then open up yourself to hear what's the other side of the story. So for entrepreneurs, you know, we do a lot of things by ourselves. So maybe our identity story is that if I'm having troubles getting clients or promoting my business, is it telling me that I'm not a good enough entrepreneur, that I shouldn't carry on this line? So it's that part of the identity. That understanding of, okay, within yourself, how do you process these things? And when you do feel that certain things trigger you, how do you process that? It's about understanding who you are. So with anything, you need to do the work yourself first. So I would suggest that for your listeners, if you haven't really dissected how you felt about a particular conversation, take some time. If you had a heated conversation with a supplier or a potential client arguing, stop, you know, walk away from that conversation. And then when you're alone, think about it. Think about the what happened part. So what was the story that you really disagreed with? Your story and the other person's story. What happened there? And then move down towards the feelings. Why were you so angry, frustrated, upset? disappointed, whatever. The main part is a lot of us cannot 
articulate our emotions very well. We might just say angry. Is it just being angry or is there something more? Do you feel hurt? Do you feel betrayed? So trying to understand what you're actually feeling and then going down deeper. How is that affecting my identity and then what identity is being affected here? I usually ask what is your number one book but since we are discussing a book I'll just reiterate that this book is called Difficult Conversations, How to Discuss What Matters Most by Douglas Stone, Bruce Patton, and Sheila Heen. The work you do in helping people reach their highest potential. Are there any habits, any daily things that you would suggest that someone do to kind of work towards reaching their highest potential? That would be the purpose conversation. I'm a strong believer in really knowing your purpose. So like Priscilla, it's really late at night for you and you're still doing podcast recordings because your purpose is to get your message across to encourage entrepreneurs. Purpose is coming on really strong. So for entrepreneurs, when they are starting off their day or some people prefer to reflect at the end of the day, really anchor back to your purpose. Why are you doing this business? What is your purpose in doing this business? Get really clear on it because on good days, you celebrate that purpose. On days when it's difficult, you go back to the purpose and say, I will stay on course because this is my purpose. Uh, Ajini, please tell us again because you've told us before but I'll ask you to tell us again. What has faith meant to you on your journey? Like I shared in the beginning, it's helped. God has led me to be a coach and now God is really steering my business in the direction that he wants me to go and it's to serve the people. So I do pro bono work and I am talking to people that I don't normally speak to. I'm just fully conscious and letting him lead me to where he wants me to help people. Amazing. Now, Jenny, where can people get into your world? and learn a little bit more about what you do. They can visit my website at www.riverlifecoaching.com and if they are keen to have a discussion with me about coaching, maybe about even difficult conversations, you can book a free 30-minute conversation with me. No obligations, just to have a chat with me to understand what coaching is about and maybe we can work together. So riverlifecoaching.com. I'm also on LinkedIn and Facebook under the company name and under my personal name, Jenny To. I love that you came in and you talked us through this. And I think it's very, very important because if we can break through and be able to have more progress in life and live more authentically. So thank you so much, Jenny. I hope you got a lot of information, a lot of actionable things out of these episodes. Please, two huge favors from you. Please let us know what kind of things you'd like to hear. And if you you really love the episode please support us by going and leaving a review in your podcast listening app thank you for choosing to spend your time with the reinventing perspectives podcast we value you see you again next week mm-hmm.